This is a Podfire production. This podcast may include explicit themes or swearing and may not be suitable for children. The world is full of amazing people, and once a week, I get the opportunity to interview one of them. My name is Brett McCallum, and this is Awesome Humans. In today's episode, I'm joined by Brock Nielsen. Brock's an event agent with 12 years experience working within the industry. He's the managing director of Together Agency, a company that specializes in event planning, social media strategy, and client management. With this amount of experience in music and hospitality, without doubt, Brock knows what it takes to run a successful event. I'm pretty excited about this one. Hey, Brock, how are you, buddy? Uh, good, thank you. Thank you. That was a lovely uh, intro. Though. Oh, thank you. I didn't write it. <laughs> I can't take any credit for that at all, my friend. I can't. <laughs> Mate, the way this works is all about you, and I want to hear your, your story. And the way I always start that is, what's your first ever memory? How far back can you go? Um, it's always an interesting one, isn't it? It's like you're, you're trying to... The, the problem is, is like you piece memories together and you're like, you're not sure what age you are. I think between like three and six, it's all feels like the one age. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. That whole little early childhood piece. Um, I've got very early memories of uh, visiting my like my grandparents, uh, my on my mother's side uh, from in Ballina. They lived in like just on the on the river there as you sort of come into Ballina. Oh yeah, over the bridge. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we always used to go fishing uh, on the river there, and that's that's probably one of my earliest memories is like waiting out with my grandfather in uh, on the river there, and then. Another memory I have that I feel like is the same age is being bitten by um, a wasp inside my mouth. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> on your tongue or on the like, – It was like on the inside. So like – On the cheek. No, literally it's like it's flown – I've opened my mouth and it's flown in my mouth and bitten me on the inside of my cheek. Oh, jeez. Well, like stung me on the inside yeah, yeah. of my cheek, yeah. And did it blow up? Do you remember yeah, yeah, the yeah. repercussions? Yeah, I remember being in a lot of pain. I had to jump in the pool at the time <laughs> to get the, like, because it was obviously the inside my mouth and, and, yeah, get it all off me. And what's everyone around you doing? Freaking out? Uh, no one was with me at the time. I had to oh, go yeah. and find my parents after. That's bizarre, yeah. isn't it? Isn't it funny, though, when you when you look back there and then you do see photos of the time and then you go, oh, well, that happened there. Oh, actually, look at that. I'm much older when that did happen. But they do merge. I yeah. understand. Yeah, I feel – I just feel, yeah, as, as soon as you sort of get back to those those younger younger years you, and especially as you get older, like I'm 36 now. Ooh, you start, so old, mate. Well, you know, <laughs> that's 30 years ago. Yeah, I know what you So mean. you start to try and you've, you're making other memories. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. So where were you born? Where did it all start? Uh, here on the Gold Coast. So I was born in the original Southport Hospital. My son, my eldest son was as well, but then they ripped it down straight mm. after it. So um, so Gold Coast boy, born yep. and bred. And what school did you go to? Uh, Primary I, school? I went to uh, St. Kevin's. St. Kevin's? Um, Benoa. Yep. Um, and then... So you grew up around Benoa? Uh, no, we actually lived in Logan home. Oh, okay. So my mum's first, well, not her first home, but the first home I can remember... Yep. Um, his was in Logan Home. In Logan Home, and you used to travel down to St Kevin's. Yeah, on the when the highway was one one way. How long did that like take? When it was on, oh, it used to take an hour and a half to two hours to drive from Logan Home to. So why did she put you at St Kevin's? Um, because she worked in Service Paradise. At the oh, time. okay. Yeah. So it was it was it was just like she'd drop me off, she'd go to work, <laughs> and then pick me up on the way home. Oh, okay. Yeah. And do you remember the St Kevin's years? Yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember like lots and like it's it's weird with school. You, I feel like you remember a lot. More more, but it's just because you're having a lot more fun, I suppose. And were you a good kid, bad kid? I was a very bad kid at St. Well, yeah. I got, I got a, uh, I, they Wait. said, they said you can stay, but if you do any more, you'll be expelled. So my mum pulled me What'd out you and, do? and sent me to boarding school. Do you remember what you did? 
Uh, <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if I can say on this on this podcast. I, you can say anything on I, this podcast. Uh, I climbed a tree and peed on a, on a kid's head <laughs> in grade in grade two, I think. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. I bet Mum was proud. She wasn't. No. no. And so, how much trouble did you get in for that? Firstly, uh, why would you do that? Uh, <laughs> just what you did. Yeah, showing off? I, I think I was just they were chasing me or something, and I just was up in the tree and decided that. <laughs> That was the best way to get him away from me. <laughs> I bet you didn't play again. Uh, no, no. But uh, yeah, we. I. I think that was like my my fifth or sixth visit to the, uh, principal's, the principal's office, and that was back in the day of the cane as well. So I, I got. He had a big leather. Um, I swear it had like a metal bar inside of it, course but, it, but it was covered in leather. Yeah, and you used to hold out your hand and get. And then if you pulled it was away, a, you it was got a three more. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> Mate, they should bring them back, I reckon. Mm. That's, uh, that's my opinion. So it's, where'd you go then from St. Kevin's once you were dragged out by the year? Um, I went to boarding school in Warwick. Okay. Uh, at Scots College. And what was your um, thoughts about when mum said, look, I'm going to send you to boarding school? She actually asked me. Oh, really? Yeah. And, okay. I, and I could tell she, at, at that younger age, uh, I could tell she was under stress <laughs> with, with my actions. <laughs> so I went out to boarding school and um, I ended up getting kicked out of there as well. <laughs> Who'd you piss on there? No one. Oh, that's uh, right. I just, uh, I ended up, um, what happened? Oh, I got in trouble for stealing. Oh, well, that's not good. Yeah, no. That's not a good idea. So my, my dad ended up pulling me out of uh, out of there and, and brought me back here and I went to Narang Primary. Okay. So this yeah. is all still when you're under sort of 12? Yeah. And do you know what caused that? Like, did you, did you, did you have a broken home? Do you, yeah, my, my parents, I'd, I'd say, you know, like you, you don't think about it too much, but I'd say my, my parents uh, was were never really... They'd never been together. Like they'd been together up until probably I was like six months, and then yeah. they split apart. Uh, they were never married, so they they hit an age. I think probably about uh, I'd say grade four or five, where they weren't re- they were never really seeing eye to eye. But there was a point there where they started fighting over who was looking up, who was meant to be looking yeah. after me, because they were both still. So you become the pawn in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Mum was still very young, and Dad was had moved on to his new life. Um, the love is still there, but when they start fighting over you, you just start finding other ways, I presume, to entertain yourself. Yeah, and to get noticed and stuff as well. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's to get attention. Um, you know, like being older now, you can really look back at it and, and pick it apart pretty easily. But yeah. at the time, you, you didn't you didn't really understand and, and they don't understand either, I suppose. So you've come out of Warwick's boarding school and you've gone to live with Dad then? Yeah. Yeah, and he's put you in Narang? Narang Primary, yeah. Yeah, and how'd you go there? Um, yeah, that was fine. I think I just sort of found my feet then. I just wanted to be quiet and 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 sort of keep to myself. Um, but ended up meeting like my best friend at the time at primary and then stayed stuck with him and went to Narang High. Okay. So you so you made it through primary school? Primary school without getting in trouble <laughs> again, yeah. So when you got to Narang, you sort of started to settle down. Does that mean because your home life was a bit more settled, do you think? Um, yeah, I think... You know, like less travel, less everything. It was just more. I was like, my dad lived in Carrara, so we were really close to school. Yeah. And then I didn't spend any weekends at home. I just stayed at my mate's house every every every, every single weekend. So yeah. And then school so, and my mate's house. And were you studying or doing anything? Do you, did you do your schoolwork and stuff? Like um, do you remember? Yeah, I remember. I, I didn't really like. I was sort of smart enough to pass. Yeah. Without doing anything. Um, I'm really bad at maths. Yeah. <laughs> that was just something I all continually failed um, throughout school. And no matter, I, I went. I remember doing. I wanted to get better at it because it just. I realized how bad I was at it. Um, so I did a little bit of tutoring for like six months to a year. I remember, but 
it just never got any better. So I just, just left it. For you. <laughs> well, it just happens, doesn't yeah. it? It's, it's one of those things. Um, but I was really um, English. Uh, I'm still a really good writer. So something else. the written word was what you did instead of the numbers. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But the problem is that you go to these educational institutions and if you don't do all four, reading, writing, arithmetic <laughs> and whatever else they throw at you, then you're a bad student or you're shit or you're this or whatever. It's, it's something, you know, same thing you can realise looking back that school's a pretty broken institution. Like you don't, yeah. there's no real room for you to blossom unless you are across the board. Yeah, 100%. Good student. 100%. Because as a, as a young person, you don't really feel adequate when you're failing at things. Even you feel like, let's let's be honest, like, you know, state school should really, anyone should be able to pass it without really studying. Like, it's not, they don't make it too as hard as, for as you. As long as you can read. Yeah. And you can add up. <laughs> That's what you seriously, yeah. I agree 100%. Um, to, to get A's and stuff, you, st- you know, you then have to put in the work. Yep. But, but to get... To the B, C level. C, C yeah. level, you should literally not be able to start, not have to study and you'll be able to get through. You should be taught that. Yeah. Um, but it's it's not that way, unfortunately, because not everyone's the same. No, and that's that's the whole point, mate. Like you see these kids that failed at school and now they're these massive, uh, massive corporate giants and it's because they were either dyslexic or no one picked up on the fact that they just needed glasses or <laughs> any of this sort of stuff. Like yeah. there's a whole pile of things and you learn differently than I learn. Like I'm a visual person so if I watch a, a movie or whatever, I'll remember every single thing that happened in it Whereas I read a book or remember nothing. That's, that's just sort of everyone learns differently and I think it's really interesting. People, they're starting to grasp that now and they're starting to change things but when we were kids, like mate, it was never around, was it? You mm. were just that dumb kid they throw in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> and and there you be naughty and you, you you blow up because then they're putting you in a in a corner. You know what I mean? That's yeah. So I think um, yeah. In high school, I just sort of found my my friendship group and and then just sort of stuck with that and and just found my way through school. And so you made it through through to year twelve. And what was so? Let, let's at the start yep. of high school. Sorry, I'm nodding. I'm not saying yeah, yes. Yeah. You're nodding <laughs> Sorry, on the podcast. Doesn't work the best. <laughs> <laughs> did you um, did you find that you always wanted like? Was there a mission from say year seven onwards? Like I'm going to be a policeman. I'm going to be a whatever. Did you ever have any dreams like uh, that? Yeah, I wanted to be a computer programmer. Okay, um, uh, it's because compu- at an early age. It was sort of like the friends that people I was hanging out with as well. We were all into computers. Um, so I was on the internet from like I'd say year nine, um, which is really a, like that That was like, just come out. That was 96, 97. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, people didn't even know the internet existed at, at that age a lot of the time. Um, but, yeah, I was really into it. We used to do things like uh, role-playing uh you know, because that's where all my writing and stuff came into action. I'd, I'd do uh, – we were into wrestling at the time, so we'd yeah. do role play. WWE. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so basically you would you would write the match yourself oh, and then okay. whoever wrote the match the best would be the winner of the match and that would sort of progress you in different tournaments and matches and things like well, that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was just something uh, that was what I was interested in at the time. And, yeah. And we all – So who was your favourite wrestler? Uh, at the time, Sting. So I was into Sting. WCW at the time. So oh, it was WWF and WCW. Yeah, because Hulk Hogan went across, didn't he? Yeah. And so that's so, Hollywood Hogan. so basically 99, 2000 is when WW sort of E 
happened because yeah. WCW broke down and, and went into WWF and then yeah they they bought it didn't they, they there was a lot of acquisitions at the time of yeah. most was, wrestling things Sting Sting and Diamond Dallas Page were my two favorite love DDP yeah no, he actually he's does. doing great things now Whew, the yeah. yoga stuff that yeah. he does is insane I was yeah. listening to a podcast um, still a while looks back. the same I don't think he's aged at all yeah well, I think I think he might be on yeah. <laughs> there might be a couple of things in his, in his morning coffee for yeah, sure in the way he lives but yeah no he's um, helping a lot of veterans and stuff now with the particular type of yoga things. and stuff that yeah. he's doing which is pretty cool mm. I love the fact a fellow wrestling fan that's just <laughs> awesome I love it but I was uh, I love the Ultimate Warrior he was one of my favourites um, back in the day but anyway moving on so <laughs> this is about you not me um, so when you when you left school what did you do did you go to uni um, so that's actually when I passed back over so I actually after school I stayed at my dad's for probably six more months so you stayed then, the whole of high school you were at dad's yeah did you and, see mum at all yeah yeah so on, like it'd just be different times I'd, I'd see her on the weekends or, yeah. or she'd just come see me but not too much so I was sort of um, away from mum a bit more then. and did dad remarry yeah, so he'd already remarried. He'd okay, remarried, remarried so you became part of that family. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, six months. So that whole time I was there was still a bit of turmoil at home. There wasn't really much turmoil in the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Like they're having a, you know, obviously having a stepmom that wasn't really signed up to having a son. She's, she, we're much better now. Like we're, we're all a family now. Yeah, like yeah. As you get older, oh, yeah, you, you settle down, everything settles down. And was there any brothers or sisters? Or uh, I've got a half-brother okay. as well. So my dad had another... Uh, son to another lady. Okay. As, as half brother. Half brother. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's 10 years older than I am. Okay. Um, but yeah, so probably about six months after I I got out of school, I was just sort of, I was very independent um, and just was doing whatever I wanted to do. Um, and because I wasn't reporting in at home and like, you know, it's the age old. I didn't want to know if I've got to make you dinner, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Uh, conversations happen. I'm like, well, you don't have to worry about it. Like if I'm coming home, I'll tell you. And if I'm not, I'm just not. Yeah. Um, that wasn't acceptable. Got kicked out of home. Uh, How up, old were you then? Uh, 16 and a half, 17. Mm-hmm. So you'd finished school or? Yeah. You know, I'd, I No, sorry. I, this was, sorry, I got it wrong. I was actually just in my year 12 um, tests. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's how I remember. I was right in the middle of my um, what, are they, what do they call it? Yeah, yeah, all, all my exams, and I, I, I was working at the time as well, so I still had my own money. So I'd, I'd sort of become even more independent at the yeah. time. And um, what were you doing for work? I was working at local Pizza Hut at the time. Okay. Yeah. Well, everyone's had a crack at the yeah. pizzas. It's good. Well, my it was, it was money. It was funny because we were sorry. I just need a drink of water. Um. We had such a tight-knit friendship group that we all followed each other to different jobs. Yeah. Like we would constantly, if one left a job, we would all go work at the next place. Like it just <laughs> happened like that for probably two or three years. Really? Yeah, when we were really young. Um, but, yeah, so it just – I came home one day and um, and I went to the shower and and uh, was just getting like, yeah, just had a shower and then my dad came in and just went crazy at me. He was like, you can't live here if you're not going to – respect us and tell us where you are and, 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 and not be here forever. Um, so I just literally went, got out of the shower, dried myself, grabbed my bag and, and left and then probably stayed at my mates for about a week and then, sorry, um, and then ended up uh, my mum stepped in and 
looked after me for probably another year. So you went back and lived with mum? No, she just she um, paid rent for me to go live somewhere. Okay. Yeah. I, I went and moved to Ashmore with some yeah. friends and, and, you know, that was when rent was like $80. Yeah, you know, <laughs> rent was nothing. And did you? Were you so you were still in year twelve? Yeah, so, so I did. Your exams I, I did stuff. all my. I stayed with my mate while I finished off my exams, and then I and then mum helped me out and moved me in. And then um, her new husband they helped put me through TAFE for the next two years, and I did computer programming at TAFE. Yeah. Okay. Um, then you come out of there, and what are you what are you expecting? Just to get a job as a computer yeah, programmer? Thought that was going to happen. That didn't happen at all. <laughs> um, so I ended up reality class. kicked in. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I applied for probably. 30 to 50 different jobs, um, but all of them required experience in a person of a, of a greater age than I was. Because I was, you know, even now people don't consider it, but it's much easier to get a job um, when you're younger because people actually are looking for younger, hungrier, cheaper yeah. labor. Whereas back then everyone was looking for 30 experience. Year olds. Yeah, everyone was looking mm. for experience. Um, and, you know, families and people that were reliable and, and that's what they were looking for and that's what they were paying for. But, um, yeah, at the time to get any job in program, I would have to do it for free. Um, and I needed money, so yeah, I couldn't do it. So what did you decide to do? Um, my mate was a, the guy I was living with at the time, um, was a bartender. Mm-hmm. So he just said, come work here. So I went and worked there and I became a glassy. It was at the old um, Margaritas, yep. if anyone remembers that, yeah, on the yeah. Gold Coast. I burned down every year. <laughs> just saying. The owners accidentally burn it down every single year to get some more insurance. But yeah, just, no, this, just saying. this is, for those of you that don't know or don't live on the Gold Coast, it was probably like the craziest bar back in the day. It, 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 it's on the water. It was a Mexican restaurant as yeah, well, wasn't it? It was yeah, a yeah. Mexican restaurant slash cocktail margarita bar. And it just used to pump. Yeah. And, and they had, uh, this is before cocktails were high class. You could just get your margarita out of the machine. It just was like a slushy <laughs> margarita. And um, yeah, it used to, it, from Wednesday to Sunday, it used to be so busy. So yeah, I went, I was a glassy there. And then I went and worked uh, for another bar called The Drink. And I stayed there for a while. So, turn into a bartender. Are you, are you sort of thinking at this time, well, actually, this is what I'm going to end up being? I'm going to be a bartender, or I like being around ambition? people. I like I liked being around people, and I, ha- I hadn't really figured out what I wanted to do yet. So I just sort of liked the job and liked being up late and hanging out with people and partying. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so how old are you at this age? Eighteen. Eighteen. Yeah. So you're eighteen years old. You're a, you're a bartender, mm. and you're um, you're sort of wondering what's next. Yeah, I was, or you just living life. I suppose at that age. I think, it, yeah, at that age, I really hadn't. Um, after computer programming sort of went away, I was I was a bit confused um, about what I wanted to do. I didn't really have an idea yet, so I liked being with my friends. Yeah, that was some. That's that was something I was passionate about. Was hanging out with my friends, um, and then bartending just became because I'm a very uh, people person. It became something I really enjoyed. Yeah, and it sort of put my. Um, you know, just wanted to get better at it. Um, so I became really good at bartending and um, went through probably like 10, 15 different venues, just getting better pay, finding better jobs. Moving your way up in the industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moving, moving around, um, just finding other jobs that I liked. Ended up at a um, at Watergate in, in Broadbeach there for a while, a cocktail bar, managed that for a couple of years. Um, and then, so at this time, are you still mucking around with your mates on computers, or are you, yeah, is that yeah, all gone? I'm still well, even now. I'm still gaming. Yeah, I still game. I still build computers mm-hmm. as just side. Because it's still a passion. Yeah, it's still something yeah. I absolutely love doing. Um, the like, even you know, it's even just the ability to understand 
and grasp what the internet is and 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 how powerful it is uh and even getting better at other programs like i still like you know at the moment i'm learning um uh, animation through like the adobe platform yep um and then i do a bit of photoshop and stuff just just as something fun to do on the side yeah. i like to understand the programs and how they work um it's still yeah very much it's an inquisitive brain in that yeah, thing, yeah, yeah 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 um yeah it's still very much something i i, I really enjoy um, is it something you'd like to do or is it more a passion thing that you quite enjoy it's more yeah it's more of something i just really enjoy um doing it for work um i'm not really good with timelines okay that i don't set yeah yeah fair, fair. <laughs> if if uh that's why i went and created my business is because i i got to this point um where i realized where i'd gotten to this age where i was realized working for people was just not who i was anymore um and i couldn't that's while she was still in the bar industry no, no, no. So that was – oh, actually, yes. Yeah, it was. And so during all this time, are you, are you single? Have you got a partner? Or what, how'd that all work? Um, I've had many long-term girlfriends. Okay. So I, I, I consider long-term long over six months. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that is because once you've gone six months, you're invested by that time, yeah, Well, yeah, either way, I suppose. Yeah, you know, and you know, you know stuff intimate, like, you know, yeah, yeah, intimate things cool. between each other. You're not um, – I progress very quickly though in a relationship as well. I don't sit around like six months for someone might be like, oh, we've gotten to actually staying in each other's houses now. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I move very quickly. You're, you've moved in, you've, you're ready to go. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, cool. so I probably had a, yeah, about four or five different long term relationships over that time. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, just I think being younger, there's there's only one there, um, and my current so I'm, I'm I'm engaged now. Oh, congratulations! Thank you. Um, but yeah, there's only one there where I feel like I I should have stayed longer. Okay. Like the relationship that I the threw, one that got I away threw away. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the, but nothing against my partner now. I've I've, no, I've talked not. to her about that as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, the yeah, it all. The funny thing is, I feel like it all leads to the next step. Like not being with her led me down other paths that yeah, got me to where I am. It's the whole sliding doors thing, yeah. isn't it? If this had happened, then that wouldn't have, if this did, it that. The, like if I'd still with her, 100% certain things wouldn't have happened. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? So you're, you're still bartending, you've had a few relationships, yep. and then you look at, when, when do you get to the point where you think, oh, fuck, I've had enough of this, I just need to go and do my own thing? Um, How old do you reckon you were? I was probably like 20, 28. Okay, so eight years ago. Um, yeah, I got, I, I literally spent, I got to the point where I sort of lost my last couple of jobs and then I was really strapped for cash. So I went and stayed at my dad's for two weeks and just did some like jobs for them and they just paid me some money like, you know, yeah. <laughs> we, we want to give you some money, but you're going to have to do something yeah, for it. work for that son. Uh, yeah. yeah. My dad's very much like that old school. Um, so they looked after me for two weeks and then I went and worked this new job uh, at a place called Neverland in down in Coolangatta. It's Rattlesnake now, yeah. nightclub. Sorry. Um, and I stayed there for 10 years. Wow. Yeah. So on and off I managed, I just, <laughs> same thing, I could never stay still. I rotated in different jobs in the same venue. Oh, okay. I was like marketing and then I was like events and then I was the bar manager and then I was just the head bartender. You know, I just kept on, as more responsibly, responsibility was piled on, sometimes I'd, I'd reel back and sometimes I'd move forward yeah, okay. depending on how I felt I was feeling at the time. And I, th I think on the last couple of years I just was, I was ready to go, but I hadn't, 
it hadn't clicked in my head yet. Yep. I, if you look back, I know I was I was ready and I'd made the decision, but I just hadn't told, told myself that that, that yeah, was the decision. Okay. So you'd already unconsciously made it. And All what, my actions were leading that way. And what was that decision? Um, that I wanted to be my I wanted to help other I wanted to help artists and musicians uh, grow, and I knew how that. I could help them do that mm-hmm. and I wanted to create events um, that I was passionate about. So like rock events or like music events or what just, sort of just events? I am a, I'm passionate about music. Okay. So they could be anything. Um, I've lent more towards DJ stuff because it's way easier to do. <laughs> Dealing with live bands is I, I used to do so when I very first – so how I started doing wanting to do music events was I was in a club called Ruby Tramp uh, at the time underneath the drink back in Surface Paradise yeah. days. And um, – it was a house music club, but I just loved the layout of the club and there was nothing around on a Thursday at the time because that's when I think everything sort of had moved away from it being busy Wednesday to Sunday anywhere you went. Yeah. Um, it was like lockout and stuff had just started to come in. Um, there was no smoking in clubs anymore. So there was not much live music around the surface at the time, so I, I knew pretty much all the younger scene and all the young bands and stuff like that. So I was like, this club could be amazing if we just did, like, something so youth-orientated and had, like, young bands and young DJs and sort of collide them all and, and into this one venue that doesn't look like it's meant to have them. Yeah. And so, so we... Sort of the complete opposite of, yeah, what, of what was expected called, yeah. to, be, to be at and that's very much what I'm like. So I like, <laughs> I like to shove things in places where people don't expect them. Yeah. Um, and so I started a, an event called First Kiss um, there and it worked worked really well there but there was never... I sort of lived off the money and but never had any money. You know, it was yeah, like yeah. I could make just enough money to sort of get myself through a couple of weeks and bartend a little bit on the side. Yeah. Um, you know, if I was a smarter businessman, I would have worked really hard at the same time and done that event, but you were young. I was young. Um, it's funny hindsight. Yeah, <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> I've led a very good life if, I, if I'd remembered to do all these things. Um, but, yeah, that's sort of where I... Um, so you got the passion. Passion for it. And then it, it sort of, I realised as I got older that no one, no one, if you don't realise until you are older that things that you're passionate about and you deem easy mm. aren't necessarily easy to other people. Oh, 100%, mate. That's, that's something that that's the key. I, if anyone listening right now, you, <laughs> I can teach you and now I'm sure a thousand other people could teach you is you don't you think stuff in your life super easy and you, you get down on yourself about it really quickly. And not everyone's going to think like that, but a lot of people I know do it. <laughs> and you get down on yourself about it. Because you're like, oh, someone else is just going to do it. I, there's no point in me doing it because this is so – it's too easy. Well, yeah. Why wouldn't anyone be doing it? And then you get, you get down the track and you're like, Jesus, no one is doing this. No, exactly. Or doing it like I want to do it in the way that I want to do it. And, um, but everyone else had the idea though. Yeah. Every time you've done something, someone would have come and said, oh, I had that idea 100%. 20 years ago. <laughs> Did you know if I had her, if I had her, if I had her, whereas the thing is you've actually had a crack – that's, that's the big – I always call them doers and gunners, right? There's the, <laughs> there, there's the bloke that's going to do this and going to do that and going to do this and, oh, you stole my idea. Or there's the bloke that's actually 
goes and has a crack. And, 100%. And what you find, it's really interesting you say that because it's exactly the same as the education we were speaking about earlier, is that yeah. you find English easily. My daughter finds maths ridiculously simple. Mm. And she's going, Dad, but I got like 99 out of 100. All these other kids are getting like 40. And like, why? Like, they must be. And it's like, no, no, because you get that. Mm. Your brain works brain that works way. That way yeah. Their brain works that way. I guarantee that, yeah, you might be good at sport, but at the same time is they're getting A pluses in English and you're getting Cs. Mm. It's just the way that your brain works. It's even, um, yeah, because you can talk about sports like just hand-eye coordination. A lot of people don't have hand-eye mm-hmm. coordination. Exactly. No matter how hard they train, they, they might never get as good as a person that's just naturally gifted. But then when you find what that is, that's really interesting. My, my other daughter, she's really uncoordinated, mm. but she's powerlifting now and the movements in powerlifting she does perfectly. But there's only four movements. But the guy says, you, you're really coordinated. I'm sitting there, you're looking at the same person I am. But it's because obviously that's the way her brain does that particular thing. And I think you've hit the nail on the head. Like it's so true that the shit you find easy, I might find hard. I just find lots of shit really easy. So I, so I have a crack at them all. Yeah. Like that's the big difference. And the thing is people a lot of the times will say, oh, that's way too easy. That'll never work. Mm. Oh, that's just so easy. I'd never do that. Mm. Like, and they're sitting there going, why? Yeah, <laughs> that's what you should focus on. And it's, and it's definitely that's, that's the uh, mindset you should, you should have is, is if it comes easy to you, just have a go at it. Yeah, If it's sure. coming so easy, then get it done. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's so. This this all came really easy to you because you found your lane. Let's yeah, call I think that. I think it comes. It comes. You know, it's like it's. You can say it's easy, but it's still a lot of hard work. Um, of course, involved, I'm not saying how. It's, it's actually the thing is, but you get it. Yeah, that's the I easy under, understand it. Yeah, it's the understanding, not the doing. Um, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. So that's. I just sort of realised that's what I wanted to do and I wanted to help my friends and I wanted to help the industry uh, as a whole. So what what was it? Like when you say... Uh, uh, so just basically... The events? Artist management artist, and, okay. and, 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 you know, bookings. Um, Helping, basically supplying the right... A lot of what we do is is finding the right fit for for a talent with a venue. Okay. It's like this person will, will suit your venue or this person will suit that event or this person will suit the look you're going for your, for your wedding... Uh, Etc. We don't try to just shove anyone into things. You say no a lot. Yeah, it's but good. To, to, good to business mate to, to say no to different stuff. You know, like we try to say yes, mm-hmm. but if there is no one, we definitely say no. Like we're <laughs> a lot. Yeah, because you just you can't. And even like if it's a lot of people, you know, last minute bookings, all that sort of stuff, and you've got to just go no. Like, look, the amount of money that amount of time I'm going to have to invest. To get you something, yeah. When unless the money is in my bank account right now, I, I can't promise to you something that I just can't even fathom delivering in the next twenty four hours. So you've decided that you wanted to go out on your own. You're well, sorry, you, you'd known, but then now you've decided, <laughs> and you've gone out on your own. Do you decide to do it on your own, or do you take your mates with you? Um, so I was actually really lucky. My 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 best friend I've had. I'd say three quarters of my life, uh, Amar Alamar. I'll just give him a little shout out. <laughs> Amar. Yeah. Uh, he had a, a business already that wasn't really directed at what I wanted to do, but had, inkling, you know, had little bits of it. They, they have a promotion agency. Yep. So it's, you know, they both entertainment and promotion sort of work hand in hand mm-hmm. um, if you're, if, if for anyone in those industries. You when when you say promotions, about. you mean like... Um, like so you have promotional staff out doing yeah. the job. Okay. So inside that, it's, an, it's, an, it's basically event helping business. Yes. Is promotions business. So mm-hmm. 
in events helping business is an entertainment business. Very cool. So they uh, employed me for a while to run my own business inside their business. Yep. Um, and I did that for two years before then starting together agency on my own. And they're still they're uh, part owners, like a small percentage of the business. They invested in it. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So together agency. Yeah. Where'd that come from? Um. I'm again very much into research and finding meaning in things and 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 making sure that when I do something it's 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 projecting the right message uh and I wanted to start a business that I felt like we were in this together like when I when I do this event or when I do uh when I'm helping this artist it's like I don't want you to feel like you're on your own. You're with us. Like we're going to help you grow or we're going to help your event go off without a hitch. Or, okay. or if we do an event, all of us are promoting it, all of us are uh, succeeding from it. We're all, all of us in are, this together. All of us are being rewarded by it. And you, when you say we, who's we? Uh, in what sense? From from the business sense. So you got a team now? Or? Uh, yeah. So we, we've actually grown and obviously cut back. Coronavirus hit. Of course. The entertainment industry, one of the hardest. Yeah. Um, so we got up to five people. Um, we're back down to just the two main, which is me and Stevie. Okay. That's my business partner. So you're at five people. You're, you're pumping. Everything's going really good. You're <laughs> booking venues. You're booking talent. And then this bastard virus come and bit everyone on the ass. Yeah. Yeah. How did it affect you? Do you remember the day? Uh, I remember two weeks before. Okay. So I remember I I could see what was going to happen. Okay. Um, it just there was already rumors going around of, of certain things happening, um, possible shutdowns of certain things. You know, the the hype. Obviously, the hype train had, was 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 massive, tooting man. along. Yeah, yeah. Quite quite big. If everyone, if everyone can remember the start, because it's still. Uh, you know the hype's massive now, but it would not, the start was way bigger. Like we thought, people were going to die in the streets, basically. Oh, exactly, mate. Um, where people were reporting, and uh, and we knew it was going to affect us pretty bad. Well, I I could see what was going to happen. It's like, well, the first thing that's going to go is gatherings. Like, yeah, people, of course. People standing next to each other. Well, that's every single venue client we have, mm-hmm. um, whether it be big or small. So, too, did you start to prepare, or were you yeah. just sitting there going, "Oh shit"? So we walked straight away. Um, we stopped paying ourselves money mm-hmm. within the first day of that. So two weeks out, I just went and we had a, Stevie and I had a meeting with each other, and I just said, "Look, this is going to go bad really quickly." So. Let's email all of our clients, tell them we're here to support them because um, we are. Yeah. We'll do whatever we need to do. If they need to uh, cut wages, we'll find people that it will work cheaper for them. Like we'll, we'll work with them uh, in whatever way we can. We're not going to promise that people are going to work for them, but we will ask yeah, yeah, and we'll do the work for them. Uh, and right now let's can't close our bank accounts, like not even close, but just yeah, close yeah. them to us. We won't take any more money from the mm-hmm. business um, and we're going to have to let everyone go. Let's survive this. And we're going to have to walk away from our office space. Um, we were lucky we were only we were renting week to week then. Okay. So we were, we were super lucky. So you, you've had to sack three people. Yeah. It's pretty hard, eh? Yeah. It's, it, we, we were sort of lucky because we were actually um, – one of our guys had already quit, and his last week was the week before. Oh, okay, so that worked well. Coronavirus, yeah. yeah. Um, so he was sort of already leaving um, because he wanted to. We'd sort of trained him up, and he and he found 
that we weren't doing events in the way that he wanted to do them. So he was Very like, cool. I'm going to go do these other events. And he's very uh, passionate about a small specific genre of house music and mm-hmm. he wants to go run those kind of, you know, events um, really small. And he was like, that's what I want to do. And he wanted to go back into living his own life the way he wanted to. So he, he'd cool. gone. Um, our other guy, guy was in a casual, so that was sort of, that was easy. Uh, and then uh, David as well wanted to go back to uh, DJing. So okay. we weren't. So you're pretty lucky in that. Yeah, in that sense. we we already had people that were sort of gearing towards leaving the business already. Yeah. Um. So we were like, okay, we just don't have to find anyone now. <laughs> no, well, fair call. Yeah, you don't have to replace them. Mm. So then it hits, and then we all get locked down. The devastation that your clients must have felt also hits home to you guys as well, because obviously you're in this together, and I don't take that. As a as, pardon the pun, if you like, but the thing is, like, you work with these people on a weekly basis. They're actually they are part of your family. Yeah. The the hardest thing I think was seeing people let go from like so our contacts at, at clients venues etc. We've fifty percent of them to probably seventy five percent of them don't work for those businesses anymore. Like they're people that we've been talking to for the last three four years. Yeah. Are just working somewhere else or don't have a job. Um, our biggest concern was obviously keeping the spirits of our talent up because mm-hmm. that's that's the biggest worry was these people that some of them were working full time for us okay. in, in different venues like yeah. they were earning a thousand bucks fifteen hundred bucks a week from the clients that that you put them in that we put them in um, others had full time jobs now lost their full time jobs and had that extra money coming from us and now they've lost that as well mm. so now they've you know, losing everything all at once. Yeah. Um, and this was before job, you know, like the first three weeks was oh, mate, like, it was devastating. I was trying to, I was, besides me, I, I, I just had a newborn as well <laughs> and, I've, and I've just gotten engaged. Um, so my life, trying to take care of my own life, but at the same time, as I said, I'm very much about others. Yeah. So I, I spent a lot of my first three to four weeks just communicating with people and, and trying to ease their is what was happening and give them as much information as possible. So anything the government released, I would break it down um, and rewrite it so that way that the talent could understand it yeah, a, lot, a lot better, um, made little PDFs for everyone, just just trying to communicate um, everything and, and make sure that they felt safe um, with where they were, where the world was going yeah, for them. Which is a hard thing to do, especially in the unknown was the hardest part there. I think. Yeah, we spent we spent probably three or four weeks in limbo, yeah. I'd say, with, with going. We was using It's like just savings. make a decision. Come yeah. on. <laughs> One way or the other. You've shut do. everything down, so we know you're going to have to pay us because you can't legally do it, otherwise you're going to get sued by half yeah. of Australia. So figure out how much it is and then work <laughs> so we can start doing the maths on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, of course. So those artists, because most of them would be casual and well, casual contractors. Contractors, yeah. So they wouldn't be eligible for JobKeeper or things like that, would they? No, they are because they've got to use the – as contractors, they've got to use their own business – Okay, so, so they, they become, can claim it through themselves. Yep. Okay, that's good. So that was the biggest thing was the, the confusion there, and we we were just like, no, you just just use your own ABN, you're your own business. Yeah. The problem was a lot of them weren't paying their own tax. 
Oops. Yeah. So that that's where the the pitfall was for a percentage of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's where we 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 hit a few issues, and we had to try and help people through that situation. And it's, unfortunately, if you don't pay the government tax, they're not going to pay. You. No, they're yeah, not going to look after you down which the track. Is a fair call. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we just had to sort of help a few people through different situations like that. Um, just to find other avenues where they could possibly make some money or... And how do, you, how do you keep these guys motivated? Because everyone got locked up, right? We were all locked up for four or five weeks, however long it was. Mm. And to keep these guys motivated, they're normally out every night singing, dancing, yeah, dancing DJing, um, whatever, yeah. to then get locked up in their own homes. Um, it's it's tough. It's really tough. It's It, it was interesting. I actually started a... Um, so I did a few things that I thought would help, but it was it was obviously tough getting myself through it as well. Yeah, so I had, of course. I had lulls in there where I can visibly, I, I noticed um, that I was struggling as well. Yeah. And even up to recently, probably like two weeks ago, I had another little like a full day where I, I physically couldn't do any work because obviously we all know that looming is possibly another uh, another lockdown. Potentially. Yeah, yeah. Potentially. Like, we, you know, I don't want to talk negatively, but... There well, is. mate, you've got to get reality as yeah, well. Yeah, so. you, you have to prepare for things, the, the worst situation. Um, and that just hit me like a ton of bricks probably like two two weeks ago in, yeah. in the middle of the week and I just shut down basically for the for 24 hours. I couldn't, couldn't walk. How do you talk. deal with that? So obviously you've got your fiancé and now your baby. Yeah. And you sit there and go, actually, this has got a lot harder because it's not just me anymore. Either. Yeah. I've got yeah. this, this child. Yeah. Um, that, how, do, how do you deal with when you go into one of those lulls? Because I know I get them as well. Um, generally, I, I turn to walking, exercise. Walking. Yeah, okay. I, so I've, I had an issue probably three or four, three or four years ago where I had um, – that it probably went for two years before I tried to knock it on the head where I had uh, panic attacks mm-hmm. around death uh, and dying. Just, about you dying? Yeah, just the thought of, of death and what is death and, and – yeah. and, you know, I'm a very thoughtful person and as soon as you get into that thought pattern, yeah. you just go very deep <laughs> and, yeah. for someone like myself and, and it was just like there's nothing. Okay, so what is nothing and where is nothing and, and when will I get there and how will it be and how will it feel and who will be there with me and then it just... You it gets just, out of control. Yeah, it gets out of control and I had a, it got to the point where I had one really bad one where I was driving and I had to literally pull the car over because I couldn't breathe and I, I couldn't do anything. So that's when I'm like, all right, <laughs> I got to knock, this, to do something I gotta knock this on the head. So I um, started to see someone and talk to them about it. and and Save your life? Yeah, yeah. exercise. They just said, they go, it's, it's as simple as exercise and if you don't, aren't very, uh, you know, not a person to exercise much, just walk. Just walk and so then that's when I actually found Gary V in all, in all that as Love well. It. I saw your picture out there as well. <laughs> I think I was at that one. Oh, we you, yeah? So we were at the same one. Yeah, awesome. Um, that, that event. Was uh, that the one where he walks in and goes, if you're a 22-year-old life coach, fuck off. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, I love it because <laughs> you haven't even lived yet. Um, and I found podcasts and I found, you know, uh, audio Basically, yeah. I found the ability to take in and learn information by so I just go for a walk whilst you're put my headphones on and I'm learning and I'm getting better and I'm becoming inspired to do things and um, it obviously has helped me through the last four years of my business um, all that part but yeah just I found walking um, and being out of the house and and, and and getting out of your own head um, sometimes which is tough is it is a path yeah so that that day. I did that. It still mm-hmm. didn't work. Like I probably spent two or three hours walking and I just I still couldn't get out of myself. And I went home and just vented to my partner and just knew I was going to be angry for that day and upset. Um, 
and just went to, went to bed early, woke up, and I was ready to go again the next day. And your partner knows how to deal with you? She wants to help. <laughs> she, wants, she, wants to solve, really she wants to solve it. I'm like, there's nothing that you're going to do that's going to solve just let what's me. in my head. Just let me tell you what's on my mind. Yeah. Um, that I hate myself and I hate everything I'm doing and I don't think anything I'm doing is going to matter a damn tomorrow. Um, but I can guarantee you tomorrow I'll probably be much probably better. Fine. So she sounds like an understanding woman though as well. She's a very understanding woman. When you proposed, I always like. I didn't ask. propose. You didn't. Did she propose? She proposed. Oh, love it. <laughs> what did she? How'd that happen? Did she get down one knee. Yep. Really? Yeah. That's um, awesome. Tell so, me the story. So she'd been talking a big game for. So we've been together for four years. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and she'd probably started. It's a long-term relationship, mate. Not these yeah, six months. Not these six months. Years. Not these twelve months. Not these. <laughs> I, I had another one like two years, but yeah, she's she's been my longest partner, and um, probably about two two and a half years in. So she hadn't really had a proper boyfriend before me. She had a couple of relationships, but that yeah. were, you know, on and off a couple of weeks. Um, and she probably been talking it up about two and two years in. She's she's like, I'm going to propose to you. If you, because uh, I can just tell you're not going to propose to me, and I, <laughs> and I'm very much, you know, I eventually I would I would have proposed, but I just didn't. I don't find a big sense in rushing things. Yeah, um, that's not my style. Uh, and so she had been planning a, a picnic. So she's like, have this day off. Um, make sure you're not doing any work. Like I've already asked everyone. Everyone said they can cover for you. This is the day. And then it was bad weather that particular day. So this is like February. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she had to move it. And so now it's like um, middle of like like coronavirus is just starting all, the, all this sort of stuff's happening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like is all happening at the same time uh i think it was like mid-march and um she still the picnic so then i got i got blindfolded and i'm like oh something's going on here is that a little bit obvious yeah Yeah. her her mom's blindfolded me but i was still like oh i just feel like there's probably something she just has a surprise for me yeah i I just really still didn't ping her for for proposing and then i got there and it was on burley hill of all places and uh she had a marry me sign so when i took the blindfold off there was a big marry me sign and she had you know one of those uh like platter things sorted but it was like kfc kfc is my favorite food Love it. <laughs> and um she was down on one knee with our child and just had the ring out and i'm wearing it right now oh congratulations yeah cheers mate that would that's special that really is yeah she and she had so one of our friends is a drone pilot and he filmed it all and our other friends a photographer and a, and a videographer and so they we've got a beautiful so all these people knew yeah so knew oh. for like a couple of months as oh, well so no, some close friends of mine have been carrying it around <laughs> for a couple of months and knew and i'd seen them and they they, they hadn't said anything so well i hope you use them <laughs> <laughs> but that's even the fact that she's got KFC there for you. That's that's my, she's a keeper. It was a, it was a great day, and yeah, we, well, you know, you, and can't, ba- you can't write that one. Your cool. little baby, little boy or little girl, little girl, Bambi, Bambi. Oh, what a great name! Mm. And isn't that just the weirdest experience ever when a baby comes out and you having go, a child? Holy shit, that's mine! <laughs> yeah, like, the isn't it? But the love is just unbelievable. Yeah, the I think it's it's more the. F- and you'll say, and I say this to every friend that has a child. It's it's the first day you get home, and you're like, 
what do we do? Yeah. <laughs> Who? Even, even driving home in the car. Yeah. That yeah. Was, <laughs> does she go to bed now? Like, <laughs> where's the manual? Do, do we? Do, what do we do? And then you just sort of, I think it takes you probably three or four days, and you just find your feet and your rhythm. It happens, doesn't it? Everything's going. Yeah, we've 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 been very lucky. She's super healthy. Um, and the fact that you were all locked away for four or five weeks um, probably wasn't a I bad thing I spent a lot anyway. of time with her. Yeah. yeah. Mate, well, they just get better. The older they get, they're, uh, they're, oh, they're amazing little humans. Yeah, just watching her um, turn, you know, her mind turn on. Starting to see things, starting to understand things. Like she knows her name now. Um, she's starting to say words. It's, it's, all, it's all happening. So what's the best bit of advice you can give her as she gets older? Um. Save your money. <laughs> Save your money. Well, that's a good one. So you don't have to stress about it when you're older. That's the only thing I regret. Okay. It's just is being flippant with money. At a young age. Yeah. That's really interesting, actually, mm. because... You don't, that, earn, you don't have to earn money. You can just save it. It's it's like the biggest thing I've seen is just once, like right now, I don't have any, we don't have any money, but we're still managing exactly the same as we were before. So exactly. it's like, well, that's the biggest lesson I've learned. And I've learned it a hundred times over, but but now it's really hit home. Is is I've basically had my wage halved, but now they're taking the job keeper, and we're still getting by. Mate, but you do. You'll find that, and especially on this roller coaster of life, mm. is that you'll have ups, you'll have downs. Mm. You get to one point where you're rich, one point where you're poor, one point where you're steady, 100%. but you always live, mm. and you always can. It just happens. Mm. That's one of those things. Like so, yeah, you do what you got to do, especially with kids. I'd say, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'm the first thing I'm going to teach her is how to take twenty percent of her her money and mm-hmm. put it somewhere else. Good idea. Mate, give her a rich dad, poor dad. Make her read that. Love that book. It's uh, it's yeah. one of the best. Mm. Mate, well, it's been really interesting. So what do you think is going to happen now? What What do you think? Like, obviously, we may get locked down again. Yeah. Does that the, destroy your business or does that just keep yeah, well, you that, ticking? Yeah, that, well, that'll be over again um, because we we rely literally on – so I'm, I'm already looking at other angles where we're going to develop a um, – we're literally recording now. We're going to develop a DJ course mm-hmm. uh, online. So Great idea. Learn, yeah. Just I'm looking at all these angles of, of things that we already know and have written up. You know, like there's already we how already, you can monetize those. How we can just turn them into something that people can do online and and, and enjoy um, themselves. So we're going to try and work hard for the rest of the year doing those things um, alongside the business. And if it shuts down, it shuts down, and we'll just go just do those things. Well, instead of the other. Um, but yeah, it's it. If we get locked down again, we'll still be a business in the end, like because we don't necessarily need the income there as long as JobKeeper's there. Um, but it, it's more, I think, it's it, the issue is the clients. Will the clients be there yeah. on the other side? Will anyone have any money? I think the, the economy is the biggest worry of ours. Because I think it should be the biggest worry for everyone, mate. Seriously. Well, it, sh- well, it should be, but no one's worrying about it for some reason. Well, I, I, I heard this stat the other day that it was when people took their money out of their super. Oh, that's gone. We're done. 15% gambled it. Mm. Another 15% bought new tits. Like this massive, massive uprise in like um, plastic <laughs> surgery. The, the, it's like, boom. The biggest robbery that's ever, that's ever happened in the history of Australia right now is, is uh, uh, even me, I've, I've thought about it a hundred times. I'm like, oh, I could just get my super. Yeah. And I just went, no, like 
there's not much in there, but I'd rather that there than in my hand because I'm just going to spend it. And that's what happened. Yeah. And the problem is that you're not going to get a chance to do that again. No. So if that money is gone, just so you all know, yeah, you've like spent it. Gone. But also, <laughs> it also affects obviously the income from the superannuation funds and the the those are other businesses now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The effect yeah. of that is massive. Yeah. But at the same time, is that um or the the economy is going to be stuffed. It's it's totally it already is stuffed. And, and yeah, we just they're just propping it up now with printed money. Hundred percent. Um, but that's an issue for us. Is is you know those. So our big money clients are people like you know A and P event companies that that you know a normal rate for a DJ at a venue is between seventy five. You know, let's a good rate uh, that we, that we want is yeah, between yeah. seventy five and hundred dollars an hour. Um, you know, right now we're lucky to be getting 50 an hour wow. for anything because everyone's hurting. Um, you know, some pay, are still paying the regular amount because they're doing better than others, so we're still lucky in some situations. But if that goes and a couple more clients get gone, you know, they have to shut, I think there's a lot of businesses being propped up by imaginary money right now. Well, like, what are they calling them? Phantom businesses at the moment. Yeah, that'll the, just go pop. That'll and- just go gone. Um, that. You know, the the next two years is going to be really telling. I, I feel like no, the Gold Coast in particular, um, tour we've been propped up by tourism forever. Yeah, yeah, and it's gone. That's gone now. We're not going to tourist ourselves in the middle of the Gold Coast. So, the the next winter is the one I'm I'm most worried about. Not I'm not even looking too far in the future. I'm like next. You look at in twelve months time. Yeah, you look at twelve months from now. There is going to be a lot of people out of work. Yep. Um, that 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 winter will be the harshest winter we've gone through in a while. No, I agree a million percent. Mm. So on a, on a more happy note, <laughs> what's the biggest event you've ever done? Um, the biggest that that I've ever put together was yeah. um, we did we we've done two. I've actually got the shirt on now, but it's underneath this jumper. Um, Unity. Uh, we Once did. We're on a podcast. Yeah, sorry guys, <laughs> I'm wearing a jumper just so you know. <laughs> Um, the at, at Fisherman's Wharf, Unity. Yeah, we yeah. just did it. It was just a house music event that I did with. So the guy that left to do his own house music events, yeah, yeah. particular ones. He, I, I sort of talked to him and spoke to him and wanted him to realize an event that he would be happy to run as, yep. as bit, but inside my business. And, okay. and we spoke for probably a couple of weeks and we came up with that concept. Um, and it felt very much on brand for us, like at Unity. The name that's like yeah, uniting yeah. people, bringing them together. So we, we came up with that concept, and it the first one went went really well. The second one, guess what date it was on? COVID. <laughs> the week before, we were wow. so lucky. The weekend of everything closing down. So literally, that was the was last, the last event hurrah. before the week next week. Everything was shut. Wow. So yeah, it didn't go that well because everyone was scared of catching coronavirus. Yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, the one we the first one we did, we had seven hundred and fifty people at, at, at Fisherman's Wharf, which was amazing. That's pretty awesome. What's yeah. the worst event you've ever done? Oh, I've done some bad ones. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone listening to this podcast knows me already, they knows I'm I'm actually passionate about events, but I'm actually really bad at them. Um, <laughs> not a good uh, thing for your business. Not, not a good. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm actually really good at finding fits and and helping artists, but uh, running my own personal events. Yeah, don't. I haven't had a good track record. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, my worst one, uh, I'd say the worst thing that's ever happened to me event-wise was, barring coronavirus, um, was an event I had uh, at Berlin Bar and Surface. And a a few of my close friends will remember this one. We'd organised it and we'd paid 4.5K for the the headliner. Yeah. 
and then the business shut that oh, week. No. So they'd gone, they'd basically. The actual like the venue shut. Yeah. So they, they were involved in a whole bunch of stuff yeah, yeah. that, <laughs> that are Not very much Gold Coast nightclub style. Yeah. There was bikies, all sorts of things happening. And, um, they shut that. So we went to the bar on the Thursday to go check it out and set up and there was padlocks on the door. Oh, no. So then we tried to move it to another venue. We couldn't couldn't find anything within 24 hours, so I just had to wear the 4.5K Boom. and the flights and accommodation for that act. And, uh, yeah, so I would have made him play on the beach. I think I was like six, <laughs> six grand down and, um, yeah, just no one came to the event because there was no event. <laughs> Who's the uh, biggest artist you manage? Um, my partner Molly Rose. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But she's not she's not performing at the moment. But other than that, um, I look after. We don't. I wouldn't say we've got any massive artists. Yeah. It's just more. Uh, I like to work with the lo- like local people, trying to get them to that, to that next level. To that next level. That's um, awesome. Because then you're it's, very much a giver, aren't you? Yeah. Well, I don't because I don't want to. I don't see the money in just managing one or two artists because there isn't unless you're going to invest, unless that's your side business. Yeah. So anyone looking to manage artists, that's totally a side business. You're never going to make enough money until they make it somewhere. Yeah. So I have a business and then on the side, I artists. manage a couple of artists. And then you sometimes put those artists into your business. Yeah. Good way to do it. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah, I'd say Molly's probably the biggest and, and Jake Carmody um, is another one. But I'm just more, same thing, I just more help help him where I can. Yeah. Um, and then Two Faces is a DJ in Brisbane. Uh, he's the same, just sort of trying to help him get to the next level. It's, it's very hard with with artists and musicians. They they have a concept of, of where they want to be and it's and, and they don't want to put the work into, into it. it. Yeah, that's fair enough. So there's that's a lot of fair enough. I've, I do it, but I understand. I've got I've got probably two or three that I feel like could could make it and could have should have already made it, but they're just never going to because they're never going to put the work. They're in. never going to put the work in. They've so got it, they've got the skills. They they are so talented, but they can't see it. They can't see the talent, or they can't see they have to put the hard work in. Both. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a shame. Like it's they can see the work, but don't know how to put it in, and then they they can they can't see that they don't have the self confidence, and I, and it's that's a skill I've yet to learn is is how to put self confidence into someone. It's a, I tell you what to be a good skill if you can uh, help it's, people. With it's that. an amazing skill. Yeah, definitely. Gary Gary Vanichak, man, is hundred percent, mate. mate just put them on, put them on, the and then let them watch. <laughs> mate, the way I like to finish my podcast is with some quick fire questions. What's your greatest achievement in life? Uh, my child. Who is the person or people who had the most influence in your life? Um, I would say influence-wise, uh, Jake Rosen, Amar Alamar, John McAuliffe. What's your favourite food? <laughs> KFC. Big surprise there. Yeah. Favourite song? Uh, look, I was thinking about this the other day. The, the, the music... Uh, that I've listened to in my life has 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 really influenced a lot of my life, and I I, I take it all the way back to uh, Unwritten Law, Lonesome. It's probably I don't listen to it as much now because I've I've grown out of punk rock. But yeah. if I was to say a song that I could listen to at any time, it'd be that song. Favorite place in the world? Uh, Cinque Terre in Italy. Why? It's so beautiful. Really? Yeah. It what? just just memories of that place is just it gives me goosebumps now even thinking about it. What's next? Uh, hopefully over the next five years to continue to grow the business uh, into a place where we can have three or four small-scale events like Unity, 
around that 500 to 1,000 person and do two or three a year and enjoy that and, and then help at least one artist make it. Just the one. Just one. That's all I want. <laughs> I want to help one person make it to the top. Well, mate, I love the fact that you put other people first. I love you try and help everyone. Mm-hmm. And for people that help others, good things happen. Eventually, yes. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> you're an awesome human. Thanks, Brock. Thanks for <laughs> Thank coming you. to see me. <laughs> My Cheers, pleasure. What an amazing human. Thank you so much for listening today. I really hope that you enjoy the rest of the Podfire podcasts and I really hope that you enjoyed Awesome Humans. Reach out to us on Podfire and all the social media channels as well as BJ Macker uh, to reach out to me personally. Have a great day.